So uh, last weekend, the wife wanted to try shawarma for the first time. Okay. I, I don't know what I didn't know what really shawarma was. I, uh, <laughs> Uh, but I was All trying right. to be agreeable. I was trying to be agreeable. <laughs> you know, it's Saturday night, and I and I wanted kind of what I wanted. I think I just wanted maybe a burger or some some pizza or something. But she's like, we're gonna get shawarma. So I said, you know what? She made a choice. I when when the wife makes a choice on a dinner option, as you know, you go with it because those are few and far between. And if you if you say no, it could be a while. They, they'll throw it in your face every time. You're like, I don't know. What do you want? I tried to pick the shawarma that one time. (laughs) Shawarma, right. Yep. So I'm like, no problem. I get a little shawarma action. I get a little (laughs) mix of chicken and beef. But uh, this is a a pro move I did. I hedged my bets. So the... I'm like, oh, what are the kids gonna eat? What's the what's my daughter? You know, what uh, Sam was probably sleeping, but uh, Leah was up. So I was like, "What what are they gonna eat? I was like, oh, you know, maybe I can get them a happy meal. You know? pro move i said it in front of her because now it's happening now leah's just won't stop saying happy meal so i'm like all right i'll get the kid a happy meal go through the little drive-thru kids i should have got her the happy meal with six piece chicken nuggets right chicken mcnuggets they asked six uh four or six i said get the six and then i threw on a hamburger (laughs) that i know she wasn't gonna eat I'm like, you know, she's like, oh, she might eat the hamburger. She might want chicken. She might want a hamburger. But your boy got himself two nuggets and uh, and a hamburger <laughs> just in case that shawarma wasn't wasn't rocking. So I was definitely hedging my bets, and and I ate I ate all that too. I I ate all of it. So it was a, it was a pretty good night for me. I was like, I knew she wasn't going to touch the hamburger. I just knew she wasn't going to. So I was like, I got that in my back pocket. But I also, you know, uh, but the shawarma ended up being okay, and I was able to do that. And plus, I still just housed my daughter's hamburger right after. So and the nugs, and the nugs. It was a good time. It was a good time. But that's the the pro move. You you know, you always get your kids more, so then you can eat more. Were you even hungover or or drunk? Anything like? No, did I you tie one no, on? I was just- no, I wasn't. I was just, uh, I was just, I didn't know about the shawarma. And I'm like, I'm going to be sitting here hungry as shit, watching my kid eat like <laughs> fast food when I'm fucking hungry, just pounding nugs. And I'll be like eating this fucking bland ass shit. And I was like, I don't want that to happen. So, you know, I, I, uh, I had a little, little plan in my back pocket there. I mean, that, that's a pro dad move. And for you, I mean, th- you know, they would probably say if you were a basketball player, you're a dirt dog, you got a feel for the game. As oh, yeah. a as a 100%. dad, you got to feel for the game. You understand, you know, when you're in, depending on the situation, you know what you have to do to get your team to win. You know, you got a great feel for the game, and that's Listen, what I'm you a did. Cleanup guy. I'm like, if I'm, ba- I'm like, you know, your kids, they're not going to eat their food, so you got to get them something that you are going to eat as well. Because you know, when they're tapping out, old, they're bringing old old lefty in. <laughs> from the the bullpen to finish it off so that's right you know that's that's what we gotta do What is going on, guys? Welcome to the Exit 12 Homebrew and Craft Beer Lifestyle Podcast. I am your host, Brandon, 
And today we have a wonderful episode. We are talking one of our favorite things in the world because we are from Massachusetts and what we love more than anything else is some hazy beers. So today we're going to talk about some awesome, awesome uh, recipe building tips and really how to build that perfect hazy. But before we can get into that, we got to bring in my co-host, your favorite. He is the other half of Exit 12 Homebrew. His name is obviously Nick. You can follow Nick and I at Exit 12 Homebrew on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, and follow our homebrew journeys on YouTube by searching Exit 12 Homebrew. So we are super excited to get into these hazy recipe tips and help you out by building your perfect hazy beer. But before we do that, we got to get to what we're drinking. So what are we drinking this week? Let me go grab a hazy because you're right. We should do a hazy. I'm actually doing the guava pale ale right now. You dummy. Yeah, go to it. 2,000 years later. Nick is stupid and wasn't prepared for the podcast. So he had to stop. Oh, fuck. I've already had this. Oh, motherfucker. <laughs> oh, oh, you prick. Oh, God, I was sitting in bed when I had this. I bet you were. I bet you were. How did I already have this? This was like two weeks ago. All right. Well, listen. <laughs> so is life. Uh, thank God for untapped. <laughs> All right, I'll start. This is a hazy episode. Brandon and I are probably well on our ways to being pretty hazy at some point. And so why not drink a hazy? And so that is what I'm going to do. I'm going to pop open a double dry hopped dot av, which is a double IPA from Trillium Brewing out of Canton in Boston, Massachusetts. This is a uh, double IPA, as I mentioned, 8.2% alcohol by volume in a pounder can. Um, they are doing these this new series of beers. They do series of beers, Brandon. You understand? Mm -hmm. They do series of beers. They have road series where they list off roads for different beers around the area. And, and they do different things. And so this is a, a new series of roads. And I, and I believe that all of these beers are double IPAs, though I could be wrong. But these are a new uh, series of road beers. So dot av. Uh, the beer itself, though, as a double IPA, uh, it's a poetic nod to the Nelson Sauvin hop. So um, you're supposed to get, you know, juicy mango, grapefruit juice, grapefruit juice, lychee. Um, and so also group uh, grape skins gooseberry and a really pleasant mus muscat finish so as we know brandon about nelson sauvin hops it can kind of give off kind of a whiny characteristic as well yes so trillium world renowned country renowned for doing some of the best hazy beers uh, of all time uh, headroom i see you also jc tetro uh close personal friend um and so <laughs> as brandon eh. uh I listen i don't know if i'd call him that but yeah I'm sure. no, well he knows, he knows me who you are. He we're knows on a first name basis if i walked into trillium tomorrow i'd walk up to him and he'd say hi nick i've i've sure. messaged with him before no yes. big deal listen it, it 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 you have connections in the industry it is what it is 
I'm going to pop this open. I mean, JC and I are best friends. No big deal. Mm. Oh, nice beer ASMR. I'm going to be pouring this into my uh, treehouse juice machine glass. My Teku. Mm. Oh, huge aroma is coming out of this can. Uh, next week, uh, there, there will be a podcast change. It'll be the Nick and JC podcast. Uh, yeah, well, listen, if it gets numbers, I love to see you two edit that thing up and, and really, <laughs> really get after it. Fair enough. Uh, so this beer is almost glowing, Brandon. I don't know if you can see that or not, but it's, it's like yeah. a really light, light yellow, um, like mm-hmm. a pungent yellow. I don't know how I don't, don't like almost like a, a tiny, but just a touch darker than like a yellow starburst. Yeah. I mean, this thing is really glowing. Uh, let's, let's go in for a little nosy nose, nose, It's just, it smells exactly like when you walk into the brewery and, 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 and you know, that smell you get when you walk in and you go, Oh, they're mashing in or, Oh, they're dry hopping. It's like, it's like that brewery smell. It's, it's unexplainable, but it's so perfect. It smells bright. I know that's weird to say, but it smells that the flavors are just the hop. The hop characteristic is just coming up and smacking me right in the face. I almost get a creamsicle characteristic. You know, it's it, it almost smells kind of creamy, which is interesting. You know, it smells airy kind of. It's got that like milky kind of characteristic almost. It's like really, 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 really fresh fruit. Yeah, it just smells like a really, really fresh like fruit salad. Fruit salad. Huh. Yummy, yummy. What's up, Wiggles? I'm going to go in for a sip. <laughs> Shout out Wiggles. For those of you with kids. Yeah. The gooseberry. And the only reason why I know this brand is because I literally, my wife and I went to Trader Joe's and I got a pint of gooseberries literally a few days ago. They're very tart. And that's, that's, you kind of get that here. Yeah. I don't think I've, I'm trying to think if I've ever had a gooseberry and I really don't think I've ever had a gooseberry. Yeah, I mean you gotta you gotta put in time. You know what I mean. You gotta you gotta be a dirt dog, like me. This is you got your research. I respect it. Yeah, I expected you to to insult me there, but fair enough. This is uh very fruity, really really nice. You got the grape skin characteristic. The muscat character comes through a little bit more like bitterness than it does like dense muscat almost. Uh, muscat like you know the grape wine super super sweet i don't get a lot of sweetness but the sweetness i do get balances out the hops really well and i think that as this warms more flavors will come out right now it's like straight out of the fridge uh i had had this two weeks ago and i loved it and not much has changed uh this this is this is a great beer this is something that does not drink like an eight percent and uh it's a fantastic representation of the style awesome so i am drinking from Treehouse Brewing out of Munson, Massachusetts, or Charlton, now Charlton. I always say Munson. I will say Munson. To the Charlton, Sandwich, Deerfield, so many yep, locations. Yeah, just all around. This is the Jujuja Juice Machine. It is 8.6% by volume, double IPA. This is one of the special release beers. This is also a beer that Nick snaked one for me so he could go and grab my treehouse beers. But you know what? <laughs> who's who's counting? Who's counting beers amongst friends? He went and got me beers, and that's all that really matters. 
Um, this is their juice machine line, which is a extremely popular, extremely heavily hopped uh, line. And it's sort of a, um, a, uh, in the line of, of Julius, correct? It's sort of the evolution of the Julius line, if I'm not mistaken. I believe it's a heavily hopped ju- uh, juice machine. Juju juice yeah, but machine. I'm saying, well, correct. But I'm just saying I, 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 I was under the impression, and maybe I'm falsely under that impression, that a lot of the same characteristics that was in the Julius base they sort of transferred over to juice machine and just sort of bulked it up a little bit. I, I think I when you know. think of it, not to interrupt you, but you know, when you think no, of please. it, Julius is the beer that put Treehouse on the map. And I know you know that. Yes. And I think when you have a beer like that, similar to Trillium's Fort Point, a lot of the beers, it's almost like hop lineages. A lot of the beers that Treehouse yes. does probably have a very heavy influence uh, from Julius. So even if it's not a direct influence of Julius, um, as you mentioned, it's it's very likely close based on learnings that they got from brewing Julius. Yeah, it, I'm, I'm looking here to see if it does have which uh, hops are in there, and it doesn't. So we're going to play the little Brandon Smells and tries to guess hops game. That's always fun. Nick, you want to get up what is in Juice Machine, and I'll see if I can't get some hops. Sure. I mean, you know, as we know about Treehouse, generally they are very guarded with um, the hops and the ingredients with which they put in their beers. But let's see if we can uh, let's see if we can pull some something up here um, for Juju Juice Machine. Yeah, and I mean, true to style, they don't they don't list a single hop. Uh, well, that was fun while it lasted. Uh, <laughs> all right, but I'm still going to guess. I'm still going to out here and guess. Yeah, how about uh, this? You know, how about this? I have the hops for Juice Machine, and, and Juju yeah. Juice Machine is very similar, so let's see what you can get. Beautiful. I will tell you, uh, they use one, two, three, four, five different hops in this in Juice Machine, which I'm going to be assuming that they use in Juju Juice Machine. It's very similar. And um, at least one of them is kind of out of left field in a way, but I will tell you that they likely used it as a bittering. Okay, so I got... I'm definitely getting Galaxy. I think Galaxy is in it. Ding! Galaxy, yeah. Uh, Citra as well. Ding! Um, I am getting Mosaic. Eh. Ooh, no Mosaic. Okay. Uh, I don't feel like it has Sabro in it, and I don't feel like they use Sabro all that much. Uh, I feel like they might use either sent for the bittering. I'm trying to think it could either be like a centennial or like, um, uh, not a cascade. Um, I can't remember what the other one I'm thinking. And, and since you're not chiming in, I'm assuming none of those are in there. <laughs> um, <laughs> hmm. so the, yeah, the hops they have are Magnum Columbus. Magnum, Magnum is what I thought they probably used as a bitter. Columbus, Amarillo, Citroen Galaxy. You know what? Columbus is what I was thinking of because I was trying to think of the hop that we use a lot for um, for our hazies, and it's Columbus. So that's the one I was thinking of. I kept saying Centennial. That's so not going to hold up in court, buddy. Listen, all right. All right. Let's get a nose on this bad boy. Oh, wait. I got to do what it looks like. So this thing is just straight up. Uh, a, a juice machine 
maybe even three times a juice machine if you're saying it that way. <laughs> super turbid, super hazy. Uh, looks like orange juice with a you know a quarter finger head. It's like a touch um, darker than orange juice. It looks on my end. Yeah, yeah, I could say that. It's definitely just like just like hot mud, um, as you will. Uh, nose. So I'm getting um, all you know all those citrus flavor uh, flavors, all those citrus aromas of the pineapple, a little papaya, uh, definitely the 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 orange juice and like the uh, grapefruit and things like that. Um, yeah, pineapple, uh, mango. It's just like like I think you said the fruit salad. It is really like a fruit salad. You're getting a little a cacophony of fruits. Now, the question is, is it yummy, yummy? Let's see if it's yummy, yummy. Cheers, Mazel tov. <laughs> Nice little Jewish reference. Thank you. I, I appreciate that. It's all good. So um, right off the bat, I am getting a nice big hit of bitterness up front. Um, but it's not it's not overpowering. It's got a nice front end with that that bitterness that's that's probably coming. Um, from the Columbus, uh, or it is a Columbus. I can't remember. But anyway, Magnum and Columbus um, were both in it, and yeah, I would Magnum assume that they assume pure guess that they bittered with Magnum, but they obviously very well could have bittered with Columbus as well. Sure, yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I'm getting that nice bitterness up front, and then you're just getting those those really juicy flavors, almost like a um, sort of like if you got that uh that mixed fruit juice for um you know, like a, uh, an alcoholic beverage. It's just that huge hit of, of fruit flavors in the middle. And then it's just got that creamy end mouthfeel, which is really good. It's definitely, uh, still a little green, um, four or five hops in there and, and as heavily hopped as they can, you are getting a little bit of hop bite, but I don't mind hop bite. And, and I've drinking so many hazies that my friggin' palate is, is screwed anyway. So it really doesn't matter, but it's a great beer. Can you tell that we love our hazies? Yeah, it was like a love letter to hazy. <laughs> what? That's a great. That's a great way to put it. We're gonna take a quick break, and when we come back, we're gonna talk all about building the perfect hazy IPA recipe. Stick around. Okay, so, you know, I'm like, I got this special beer, because uh, we're doing a little haze episode, so I'm like, I'm like, you know, I'm going to throw it on the old gram. You got to get the gram pick, right? So I got my new little uh, ring light, I got it all set up. Oh, did got you? nice little head. Yeah, yeah, you know, oh, nice. try to make it look nice, look appealing, like a like a real a real uh, production going on here. So I got a nice picture of it, filled it to the top, nice little tippity top thing. I uh, went to just go see if I could get a nice little little sip before the we start. Spilled it all down my the front of my pants, <laughs> just all down the front of my pants, just like all go, sixteen ounces. Oh no, not all sixteen ounces, just a little <laughs> bit. But it was uh. It was enough. It was enough. And then I had to go run and um, 
I had to go go take care of that situation, change change the shorts and everything. So yeah, it was a it was a last minute uh, costume change here because I spilled beer on the front of my pants. So how did that even That's happen? Were you just too excited? Uh, it, was, it was it was full. I was trying to get that that nice tippity top full, you know, robust looking beer picture, and then I, I didn't realize that that you need to go in for the careful sip. So I tried to get a real sip out of it, and yeah, everything went everything went on my pants. So that was. I'll tell you what happened. You it was a mixture. You getting excited, and then when you grab the glass, you just develop Parkinson's. And you just and the thing just shook. It's like me in the morning. You know what I mean? You know how my hands are. Like I'm super shaky. Sure. That's exactly what happened. It was, it's like you were yeah, excited great, to take a man. sip and yeah. That wasn't great. And all and in like the hype behind that beer, and for you to just pick that thing up and like you're so excited oh, to take a, a sip. It's a it's a great beer. I haven't had it. I was super excited for it. And yeah, I dropped the a good ounce on my pants, which was nice. That was, well, that was at least time. at least it wasn't the whole thing, right? I'll tell you what, there's nothing better than winning the New England IPA category in a local competition with over 100 entries and then getting second and best to show with that same beer. It's pretty good. And so that beer was a New England IPA, and that beer is what Brandon and I hang our hats on. What you have to understand is when when you get that close to winning the entire competition, but winning the category um, in in a competition that's one of your first. You hold on to it like Paul Pierce and Kevin Garnett do with that one world championship. When you win that one title, that's 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 just it's that's only that's for. it's the only example I could think of from a sports perspective. But that is exactly what we do. And it's probably annoying to people in our homebrew club, but it is what it is. That beer was a New England IPA we call Sam, and Sam was the brainchild pretty much of Brandon. I you know, I might have had light influence. We chatted quite a bit, but Brandon did a lot of research on that beer. We brewed it, and we ended up winning uh, in a local competition with over 100 entries, as I mentioned. It was, and it was a great accomplishment. It's something that we were really excited about, and it uh, validated a lot about our process. So, Brandon, let's get into talking about New England IPAs coming from two award-winning in-local competition homebrewers. Oh, I mean, we're still award winning, so you don't have to you don't have to minimalize it. We are award winning, <laughs> so so yeah, you don't have to you don't have to go you don't have to preference that. We are just award winning, so <laughs> yes. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think it, it you know uh, what we're going to discuss today is more like how we our philosophy of recipe building. So um, first, I mean, we can just talk about what we do for base grains. Nick, do you want to you want to learn the people on how we do our base grains for most of our hazies? Yeah, Brandon, great call out. Got to start with the grist. And with these beers for us, it's important for us to get the most we can out of our grain. And what I mean by that is you don't want it to the beer to be one dimensional. 
So many brewers will tell you that the star of the show is the hops, and I will 100% agree with that, Brandon, but in the same breath, you have to understand that you need a solid malt base behind it. And so for Brandon and I, depending on the beer, for our beer that won the category, which was Sam, we call it Sam with Enigma because it was Enigma and Citra hops. Uh, we also added a little touch of Columbus. Brandon will get into that in a little bit. But the but the grist, by and large, was a great mix of Turo and Golden Promise. Now, the Golden Promise was almost double what the Turo was, uh, but it added that layer of sweetness. It added a different complexity. Now, for uh, Donovan, which is my version of a New England IPA, um, it's a little bit different in that it's more on the 50-50 range of Golden Promise and Turo. And so the ingredients themselves in this regard, from a base grain perspective, aren't different. What's different is the percentages that are added. And so what I find personally, and I know Brandon will agree with most of it, is that you you can really expand. What I love about New England IPAs is that people think it's a rigid style, and it isn't. From a recipe creation perspective, there's a lot of base grains that you can play around with, and there are things that you can uh, add from a base grain perspective that that add different complexities, that it will add different flavor characteristics. And so, Brandon, quickly, just some examples of base grains are Maris Otter, uh, which is a malt from the British Isle, initially made for English ales, adds a layer of flavor complexity that you don't get with standard Turo. And you're going to find that last line item with all the base grains that I'm mentioning pretty much. Golden Promise, which again is the main secondary base grain that Brandon and I utilized along with Turo in our New Englands. It's a malt barley grown in Scotland. It's originally made for Scottish ales and English styles, lighter on the SRM scale than Maris Otter by about a point, which is going to, in our opinion, it lightens up the beer and it makes it a little more appealing from an aesthetic perspective. And as I mentioned, it's our preferred malt of choice. And then you have the Munich. Belgian, German, whatever. The issue with Munich is that the color is significantly darker than Golden Promise and Maris Otter. It's on the f- in between four and seven on the SRM scale, and that's kind of dark. So if it were me, we haven't used Munich in our New Englands, but if it were me, I'd use it at around an 80-20 split on the two-row base grain split uh, uh, fr- from a percentage perspective. Uh, but I wouldn't go any more than probably 12 to 13% on that. Um, and then in my uh, experience, utilizing it in West Coast IPAs, it gives off an overly biscuity aroma and flavor if you use too much of it. And so there's West Coast IPAs we've done that I have been smitten with, but I would not enter them in a competition because they would get hit on points for that biscuity aspect. I do like Munich. Yeah. I'm very light-handed with it, though. Um, and so Pilsner is another one that's the lowest on the color scale of the options that we're listing. It's generally used for lagers, though. It is completely feasible to go full 50-50 split or even higher on the Pilsner, on that Pilsner two-row split, if you'd like. Um, but in my opinion, um, in in homebrew circles, there is a concern from the idea of Pilsner isn't the most complex malt that you could use to match with two-row. It's almost like a lighter two-row on some level. Yeah, and and that's the thing. So we're doing this... To add that little bit of complexity, because Turo is is just, you know, just base grain going to give you a nice light color, but it's not going to add any malt sweetness to the beer. Um, it adds very money, little. We've, correct. Yeah. 
for our money, you're getting um, the right uh, amount of, of sweetness out of either Maris Otter or Golden Promise. I like Golden Promise because of it is a lighter. Um, it's lighter, so you can be a little more heavy handed with your amounts on it. But any of those, we find that having uh, a mix of base grains is the best way to gain that complexity in the malt. We know the malt isn't the you know main player, but it's going to add something. Yeah, and and also you know to Brandon's point, um, there is some you you can play around with the percentages on a reasonable level. And so, lastly, uh, my last call out from the grain, the grist idea is that you know honor honorable mentions that uh, I list are six row, which we don't use, uh, and it's not because we don't like it or we have a bias towards it. It's just. You brew once a month, twice a month. You, if we're lucky, <laughs> you can only use so many grains. Uh, and then lastly, Vienna. And I, as a base grain for a New England, I wouldn't use it because it gives off a toasty characteristic. And that's not something you want in your New England IPAs. Yeah, yeah. And then um, if we're just going over to the flaked side of things, Nick, what are we thinking on the flaked adjuncts? What I love so much about New England IPAs and specifically about the ones we make is that there are so many different directions from a flaked adjunct perspective that you can take these beers. And it's something that is truly uh, interesting to me is that different flaked adjuncts give off different characteristics. For example, we did a beer called Foam Space once. And this was Brandon's creation. He threw, we, we said, screw it. Let's throw in flaked oats, flaked wheat, flaked barley. And we did it at different amounts. Um, and it really added a layer of mouthfeel uh, that is probably um, nothing like we've had other than Sam. Uh, and with Sam, we, we went very simple and only added flaked oats. But the idea of this, of the flaked adjunct, is to add, um, from an aesthetic standpoint, it's to add that milky, dank kind of uh, uh, that that color to the beer, that look to the beer that you it's it's opaque. You cannot see through it. That's the word I was looking for. And not only that, it's going to add mouthfeel. It's going to if you're adding a bittering charge to, to your New England's flaked oats are going to help smooth that out and they're going to help smooth out any hop bitterness any phenols that may be sitting in solution there's only so much the flaked oats can do let's remember that they can only do so much but but flaked oats are an integral integral however you say it to that style flaked adjuncts themselves not necessarily flaked oats but you have to add flaked adjuncts to your new england ipas yeah and um you know when we're adding them we're looking at the range of anywhere from 10 to 20 we find the sweet spot right in the middle, right around 15. Um, yeah, I mean, you can do anything. You can do a mix of the, like we said, the flaked oats, flaked barley, flaked wheat. Um, I mean, for us, the body and and the head retention that oats gives is just kind of, it's just hard to have that many flaked adjuncts on hand all the time. So I think oats is is fine if you're if you just want to go that route. I think you make a damn good uh, New England without having to add all three of those flaked adjuncts. I think sometimes it can detract because you have too much going on. Um, but any any or are fine. Yeah, I completely agree. And I think you know if 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 I'm being honest, Brandon and I 
could really probably experiment a little bit more with more other flaked adjuncts other than flaked oats. But here's the problem, people. When you're buying grain in bulk, you get a 50 pound bag of flaked oats because Brandon and I said, listen, we're going to be brewing new, we're going to be brewing our tits off when it comes to New England IPAs. We're going to be going balls to the wall. Let's grab a 50 pound bag of, of flaked oats and let's just do it. That's that's just what happens is that you hone in your process with the ingredients that you have, especially the ones you buy in bulk. And that's exactly what we did. And we're not going to regret it, baby. Nope. Um, and then one other thing we do add on the uh, grist side of the house is we still do add carafoam. I mean, the flaked oats uh, is supposed to give you some head retention. I know that this style doesn't have the greatest head retention anyway, but we add about 10 percent of the carafoam. Just so, you know, when it comes out the glass, it's got that nice frothy head that, you know, dissipates pretty quickly, but it's there. Um, I also like chit wheat, but it's very tough to find. Um, I I actually prefer chit wheat to carafone, but we're right in that 10% range of, of the grist total. Yeah, and, and you could make the argument if you wanted, because as Brandon mentioned, head retention is not an important characteristic of this beer. You could make the argument, you could sit me down, give me a nice beer. And say, listen, Nick, I got something to tell you. In my New England IPAs, I don't add a single grain of carafoam. I make up with it by adding another more flaked adjuncts, whatever the case may be. You're not going to get an argument from me because, again, the goal of a New England IPA isn't necessarily head retention because you have so there are so many hop oils in solution. There's so many you have so many flaked adjuncts in this beer. It's going to be hard to get and maintain that head retention, even even if you're pouring freshies off the draft, uh, off your kegerator. So, so listen, in, in anything we're telling you, take it with a gigantic grain of salt. Do whatever you want to do, because ultimately, homebrewing is about experimenting. But if you don't listen to us, you're dead to us. <laughs> so there's that aspect. So as I mentioned earlier, other than, you know, the grain being the grain brand. And if you think about it, it's kind of like uh, it's kind of like the unsung hero of the beer. Not a lot of people think about the grain when they're drinking it. The star of the show, the Kobe Bryant of the show, the Michael Jordan of the show. Yeah, I know. I know, buddy. Yeah, I got listen, you. I, nice I little get you on that one. All right. Thumbs up is the hops. So. Brandon, Brandon took some time. He delved deep, and I got to give Brandon a lot of credit for this. He read books. He did a lot of research. He knows more about hops than I'm ever going to know. And so in Brandon's view, he has a specific idea about hops. And Brandon, let's hear your mindset when it comes to hopping with a New England IPA. Sure. Yeah. So uh, I read a book, um, and I and I think I've I've mentioned this book a few times, uh, and and plugged this guy's blog because he's just awesome, and he's like one of the forefront people in in this style. So I read Scott Janice's the new uh, the new IPA, the Scientific Guide to Hop Aroma and Flavor. It is very scientific. It is something that is not an easy read, but you will learn so much about how hops work. So. Um, there is different, differing opinions on, on what you're supposed to do. Right. So I like a, a new England with a little, little bit of bitterness in it. So like, I'm not, I'm not afraid to add a little bit of hops in the boil and even like, um, 
you know, some hops at the end and, and things in a higher dry hop, because I'm not, I, I think it adds a little bit of extra complexity and not really going to take over the beer. And if you don't have that really crazy phenolic, uh, hop bite or hop creep, you should be okay. And, and, and be able to like, I, if I'll say one thing, you don't have to really shy away from bitterness in the style. Uh, and it can set you apart in a competition, truth be told. Um, so on the beer that, that we did that one, we actually put a, uh, we always use a, a clean bittering hop and the one that we find works the best. And this could be any clean bittering hop. Um, you know, just something that, that does clean bitterness that, that in a 60 minute boil within, or even, even less than that will just sort of just leave you bitterness. Uh, we use Columbus CTZ and, uh, I try to use about 10 IBUs worth, but I usually just round it up to either 25 or 50, uh, point of 50, uh, uh, 0.5 or 0.25 ounces. Um, the only thing I'd like to add briefly is that when Brandon mentions a clean bittering hop, what we find is utilizing a hop like warrior is going to have a bit of a harsh level of bitterness. And so the CTZ allows us, you kiss the beer with some CTZ and it's not so much a bitterness. It, it is a bitterness, but it also aids in bringing out the flavors of the other hops. And so yes. from that standpoint, when we mention that clean bitterness aspect, there's only a few hops that do that. And CTZ is one of them. Whereas the warrior will give you that kind of harsher bitterness. That's probably more meant for a new, uh, a West coast IPA. Yeah, a hundred percent. And it's, it's one of these things where if you find a good clean bittering hop that you like, I don't see a reason to go, go away from it. You know, as long as it's not an expensive hop and, and it's something you can sort of have on hand, you know, just keep a, just keep a clean bittering hop for a lot of beers. Uh, so the reason I went around 10, uh, 10, uh, 10% IBUs on that is I think it was in the, the Janus book where, uh, the Bissell brothers said that they, they usually start most of their, their recipes as this. So, and I just read the book and it was, so it was fresh in my mind at the time. Um, you know, but, but if you're looking for something that is, that doesn't have that bitterness, you, you can sort of scrap that and, and you can honest, honestly go with all whirlpool and, and and um dry hops i would steer clear of all dry hopping you tend to get a more vegetal beer you tend to get you tend to get a little more uh phenolic beer i i do like the complexity of boiled hops but that's just me so um for this beer we also did citra and enigma like nick said um but you can really mix and match between any of those cheater hops really any two hops that that you so there's a few things you're going to look out for uh, hops with high mercine levels. You, you kind of don't want to use those for dry hop or late edition, um, late edition uh, uh, whirlpooling because they can tend to be phenolic. They can tend to leave a lot of that bitterness. Um, and Citra is like a, a, a ridiculously weird hop because there's, I don't think there's another hop that has that high mercine level, but also that high linalool that you're getting with like that, that nice, beautiful um, hop flavors that you want, like that citrusy tropical fruit stuff. So that's kind of an enigma, no pun intended for Citra. Like it is, it is sort of that uh Jack of all trade hops, but you know, um, galaxy Sabro, all those hops are great limited to two you don't have to 
I find that limiting it to two hops that complement each other, and if you just go and sort of look at their um, their hop profiles, a lot of them, uh, Yakima Chiefs, the best at that. Honestly, if you've ever looked at their um, their hop guides, uh, they have like the most extensive hop guide in the world. It's it's awesome. Uh, you can pull it right off their website. It's freaking great. Um, but you're just sort of looking for for hops that are going to complement each other. But I was going to say that two hops, keeping it to two hops is our sweet spot. I feel like anything more can be muddled. I know most of the big guys are doing two, four, six, eight. Listen, they know what they're doing a lot better than us. I feel like if you can get two hops that that complement each other, I think it's not going to be as muddled if you try four or five hops. But that's 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 an opinion thing. That's not fact. You know, I think it, it, it's tough nowadays. It, many examples of the style and I almost disagree with Brandon on this. Many examples of the style from a commercial perspective are overly hopped, which means that mm-hmm. they're either overly bitter or the hop burn is legit. It's it's too high or there's no type of cold crashing filtering process and the hops stay in solution, which creates a really phenolic product, which almost tastes like a dirty Band-Aid or medicinal. Yes. And so... Yeah. It's very hard to achieve the true essence of what a New England IPA is when you're drinking so many different examples of the style that are not true to style, uh, e- even here in the Northeast. And yeah. so it's important to understand what it is about the style that makes it so sought after, made it so sought after in the beginning. Because in my opinion, it certainly isn't what is being put out now even from some of the bigger breweries and from, from some of the more popular ones, whether it's the Northeast, wherever, is that it's so easy to create a New England IPA that like a fucking maniac, like I see some of these homebrewers doing on their videos, they're dry hopping for three days, five days. What the hell are you doing? And listen, I'm not going to be the bastion of everything that's right and correct when it comes to New England IPAs because we won one competition. But what I can tell you is through extensive experimentation over a year, Brandon and I can tell you without even remotely a pause is that when you dry hop a New England IPA for any more than 24 hours at the very most 48, and I'm not even, and I don't even co-sign on that, anything more than 24 hours, you are going to start to pull out grassy phenolic flavors when you keep those hops in solution. Yeah. So, and the reason being, and this is one thing I learned from, from Janice's book, and, and it's one thing that really stuck with me is, um, when you're when you're hopping, you tend to be like, I want all those hop mat that green matter to be in there and like soak up and absorb as the most possible. But it's really not where you're getting your aroma and flavor from. It's the oils within those, right? So and, and all of them have um, you know, that that uh I'm gonna butcher this word, but that um a mass I can't even say it immerseration or I, I I know I I know I fubbed that one up. But anyway, it's like uh it definitely has a, a a point of where you have absorbed as much of it. It's been in solution a long enough and it's time to drop that green matter out because ultimately you do not want that vegetal matter in your beer because that is what's going to leave that hop creep, that phenolic and that stuff. You really just want to let it do its job, drop out of uh, suspension and, and and leave those beautiful uh, hop oils behind. 
So I would I would 100% agree with that. Uh, I feel like 24 hours to 24 to 48 hours is the sweet spot for dry hopping. And then and then I would start a cold crash. And, and yeah, right. And that's exactly to Brandon's point. What he just said, we, we dry hop for 24 hours at the tail end of fermentation. That's which is a completely different discussion from a New England IPA perspective. Dry hopping. We spent the better part of six to seven months dry uh, dry hopping at the high point of fermentation and it always would produce a bad beer there are plenty of people that will tell you that they really enjoy doing that what we found is the complete opposite is that when we we can we can dry hop with eight ounces if we wanted to it doesn't matter at the tail end of fermentation we're going to get heavy heavy fruit flavors now there is a there is a point to where you're you're hitting that diminishing returns aspect right it's like yep you know, four, four and a half to maybe six ounces of hops, maybe six and a half, right? But with when you dry hop at the highest point of fermentation, what's happening is you have to limit the level that you're dry hopping, the amount of hops you're adding. Because in that case, less is more because it's active fermentation. So it's going to amplify everything. And so in my opinion, when it comes to hopping, Dry hopping at the tail end of fermentation, if not the very end, doing it for 24 hours, and then to Brandon's point, cold crashing, and we cold crash our New Englands for three full days. Now, what's happening is when you're turning on the fridge, if you have the ability to cold crash, you have the ability to brew New Englands. If you have the ability to to pressure transfer, to pressure ferment, you have the ability to brew New England. So we can touch on that at some point. But just briefly, uh, but when you hit, what happens is when you turn on that fridge, when you turn on that that cold crash situation, the temperature dropping is going to drop those hops out of solution, and they're going to sit at the bottom of the fermenter, and it's going to allow you to pull a much fresher, a much more fragrant, and a much more juicy product. Um, yeah, so I just wanted to go back real quick on um, you know, the kettle hopping and, and the hot side hopping, and uh, I really just want to talk about Whirlpool. So, so I like doing a whirlpool that's sort of in the middle of that range between you know 190 to 195 and those lower under 160 so i I like it at 180 185 um i feel like you're getting some of that hot bitterness but you're getting a little complexity and um you're really not getting as just straight up fruit juice um so, so I like to, I tend to, to, uh, whirlpool a little higher than normal and I whirlpool for, uh, 15 minutes. So that's sort of where my head is at. Uh, and I know Nick has a differing opinion on that. Listen, I think when you win the category in a competition and when you win second place overall in best of show, it's going to be tough to argue in, in, in on any level. I'm never going to disagree with it when it works and it worked. And that's not something that I'm going to I'm going to put my nose up at for my New England's, though. What I find is Brandon likes to whirlpool. I don't know if you mentioned it at 185 or so. Yeah. For me. 165 is like. Where I is like my sweet spot. And so what I find is the higher the whirlpool temp, the more you're pulling out the bitterness of the hop as opposed to the fruity characteristic. Now, that may not always be true, but what I can tell you is, and what Brandon, I'm sure, will agree with on, is 
when you are whirlpooling at a higher temp and you're adding a light dose of a bittering hop at 60 minutes, the product from a readiness standpoint takes more time to condition than it would the way I brew a New England IPA, which is to not add a single hop addition in the boil is to whirlpool at 165, which in my opinion, the cooler whirlpool 20 degrees will pull out more of those fruit flavors, but it makes it ready to drink a lot quicker. And it makes it it makes it so that you can enjoy it quicker. You can can it for a competition, whatever the case may be. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that the way that I like to brew my New England's creates a beer that's more juicy or more fruity. All I'm telling you is that in my opinion, it creates a beer that's ready to drink a lot sooner. Whereas with the beers that we brew that are New England's that are more in Brandon's mindset, you have to let them sit for a week or two so that that kind of bitterness, uh, that fresh hop burn characteristic kind of falls off. But once it does, it's absolutely fantastic. And again, there's a reason why we won the category in a local competition with it. Yeah. And I, and I think that, and, and again, I think it's a difference of, if you're if you're doing it for a competition, especially for something that you know is going to have a lot of people in it and you're in a highly sought after division of that competition, you want to do things that are going to stand out. Everybody's going to be using, for the most part, some of the same hops, uh, the New Zealand hops, the, the same processes for the most part. So any sort of complexity, anything you can have that stands out, anything that you can do as long as it's within the style guidelines might help you um get a better result uh the one thing that they uh you know that we got back as feedback from that competition was they thought it was very much like a sip of sunshine which you wouldn't think as a naturally new england ipa beer it's sort of a hybrid there of it's definitely got that bitterness to it um but they were really digging on it so it's one of those things where Again, you're you can do if we're doing um if we're just doing it for our how you know for us it might be a little hybrid of the two. I really really enjoy the the lower bitterness beers, but I do I do need something there. I can't when it's a full juice bomb, it kind of doesn't have that extra layer that I'm looking for. So real quick, uh, another huge portion of uh, New England IPAs is obviously the water profile. Um. Water can just be, you know, something that people get super intimidated by anyway. We would say start out with a base of either uh, distilled water or if you can get RO water, just start out with a clean base. And then what we like to do is I like to have it's all about the the um, the ratio between your calcium chloride and your gypsum, right, or sulfate levels. So I just like to have it as like a, a sort of a close to three to one chloride to sulfate, something around 160, 150 ish on the chloride and about 50 to 60 on the sulfate. That's where we like it. Play around with those. Uh, and we put everything in the mash uh, just to help with the mash pH. But we sort of, you know, you can play around with those numbers. But if you're in that range, um, you know, just play around with it and see where you like your mouthfeel there. But but you'll you'll get a nice smooth product from that. Yeah, and I think that the one thing when it comes to the New Englands and the water chemistry is Brandon and I have always been very much simpatico when it comes to that. And I mean it's that's probably one of the only aspects of the style that is cut and dried. 
you're not going to be able to change up the chloride to sulfate ratio and tell me it's a New England when the thing is drinking like a bitter bomb. So that's really the only thing that is, it's one of those things that it's Brandon, men lie, women lie, numbers don't. And with when it comes to water chemistry, the numbers don't lie. That's right. That's right. Nikki quotes. Jay-Z. Um, that was a Jay-Z lyric. Oh, it is Jay-Z. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, real quick to just sort of end, put a little nice little ribbon on this. Uh, there's processes in place that, you know, we can touch on a little bit because I know Nick has a few, um, you know, do's and don'ts. But for us, um, for the yeast, I like an English, an English strain, an English ale strain. Uh, we love Imperial Juice. It's almost our go to now. Uh, There's no almost like about the- it, baby. It is our go-to. It is what yeah, we primarily brew and ferment with our New England IPAs is, is Imperial it's- Juice, an official sponsor of the BrewTubers Online Brewers Club. And it's not just because of that. We've been using juice forever. Uh, I, I love it. I would say it's the best for this style, in my opinion. Um, but you also need to be within those. You just have to have a way to temperature control uh, the fermentation. If you don't have that, uh, and it's the summertime, like right now, if you're trying to brew a hazy, I'd probably lean towards Kvike. I don't tend to like Kvike in this, excuse me, in this style. But um, if you really don't have a way to um, control your fermentation, Kvike's probably your best bet because it can ferment high and, and still give you those fruity esters. In my opinion, agreed. It, it, if you don't have a way to control temperature, Brandon absolutely nailed it. Kvike, but with the caveat, I'm not a fan of, from a style perspective, stylistically, taking a New England IPA grist, taking hops that, for the most part, are New England IPA hops, but there are relatively fringe, such as Eldorado, um, Enigma, um, Nelson Sauvin, and then utilizing a Kvike, because most Kvike blends objectively tend to be a little muted. And so if you're going to utilize a Kvike blend, in my experience, I would utilize cheater hops such as Mosaic, Galaxy, Citra, super, super fragrant hops, super, super juicy, fruity from both an aroma and flavor perspective that are going to overshadow the yeast you're using. Because again, I'm finding those Kvike yeasts are very muted in a lot of ways. But they're yeah. great that you can ferment at 90 degrees and you don't have to worry about it. Yeah, 100%. And and you don't have to really starter them. You can just sort of throw them in drier in the slurry. So yeah, they're great. Um, So I know you had some call-outs for some, uh, some do's and don'ts, I believe. Do you want to you wanna hit on those? Yeah, I mean, for me, you know, we can kind of, we can kind of, you know, uh, uh, riff. You understand, Brandon? Riff. You can riff yeah, back like and jazz, forth. Jazz, baby. It's like jazz. That's right. We, I mean, we can. It's like we're like doo wop on the corner. We're just, we're just going in. You know, um, we're like an acapella group. Uh, so for me, a big, a big do, and something that I learned, Brandon and I learned the hard way throughout that year of experimentation with New England's is. Fermenting under pressure is the only way to brew a New England IPA. And I don't care. This is probably the one thing I can tell you, in my opinion, that anybody tells me they brew New England's and they don't ferment under pressure or they don't transfer under pressure. They're full of shit. And if they make good ones, they're full of shit. So I would say that you're I don't 
it, I, I would say dry hop under pressure because I think we can and and this is a, we we do ferment under pressure because the the imperial yeast can take that sort of pressurized fermentation, um, the PSI. It's probably not the most ideal um environment for the yeast but we have a starter and and we have healthy attenuation so it's not been an issue so we just do that but definitely 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 100 percent. when you are starting to dry hop it needs to be under pressure not only will it um lock in those um that aroma but it just sort of again i think that people like well you you want those esters and and firm pressurized fermentation is gonna like um, hinder ester production. I feel like that that can also it also hinders phenolic buildup as well. In in my opinion, which is which can kill a New England IPA. I don't know. I, I, I'm not going to co-sign on 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 that last aspect. I, in my experience, fermenting under pressure, I found nothing but positivity. I found nothing Correct. but our beers. There there hasn't been a single beer, and we've done we we fermented an imperial stout under pressure. We've fermented almost any style you can think of under pressure. I haven't found any downsides from a yeast strain uh, perspective from the yeast being overly worked or not attenuating down as low. If the yeast isn't attenuating down as low, what I'm finding is we don't have the correct amount of cells from our calculator that spits out that we're, we're not we're not putting in the correct amount of yeast cells to get the beer down where we need. We've we've never, but with that said, under pressure, we've never had a beer stall in the middle of fermentation. We've had nothing but success, especially from the New England IP, IPA perspective of brewing of of fermenting New England IPAs under pressure. Yeah, and and I I and I would agree with you. In practice, it I'm not seeing it. I'm just saying that it is definitely there's literature out there that says you know that that P, um when it's sitting under that blanket of CO2 is not the greatest environment for yeast, but like to Nick's point, we do it all the time and we have had no issues and the good far outweighs any slight attenuation or slight ester production that we might get. Yeah. And, and again, I, yeah, it's just, uh, I'm, I mean, I, and I know Brandon is too. I don't want to perceive it as though Brandon's not a fan of pressurized no. fermentation. Cause you are, um, and Brandon could probably make the argument that pressurized dry hopping, you know, is more important because with the fermentation, you are pulling the pin on the top of the firmzilla or the keg or whatever to release pressure to throw in the hops. But again, with that said, um, there is definitely something to be said with if if from from a pressurized fermentation scope, the most important aspect is the pressurized transfer. And to yes. me, that's not even debatable so you can brew a new england ipa and you can ferment it not under pressure and you can transfer it under pressure and the in the beer is going to be good it's going to be great whatever but it's not going to have that aroma when you're keeping as opposed to fermenting under pressure where you're keeping everything in right even even if even if you're hitting the top you know you're, you're releasing the top and you're throwing hops in you're still closing it up very quickly i mean there isn't in my opinion a whole bit of a downside, but Brandon could have made that argument earlier. You need to pressurize transfer your New Englands. You need to get as much oxygen out as you possibly can. If you don't, that I mean, that's one of the biggest downsides. It's one of the biggest killers to New Englands that Brandon and I have found is the incidence of oxygen in our beers when transferring. Yeah, and it's not only you'll be like, well, 
I do it the old fashioned way and my beer isn't doesn't turn to cardboard, doesn't turn to this. Sure, it might not. You might get lucky and it may not oxidize to the point of, you know, showing or tasting to, to that extent where it's just like a cardboard bomb. But you can definitely tell the difference. Plus, you're also again, aroma is such a big component of this style that locking in those dry hopped aromas and keeping them from blowing out the the blow off um or the spunding valve or the whatever you have you um because obviously if you have a spunding valve there is a little bit releasing whatever um but uh i meant the the whatever the the bubbler the the friggin why can't i think of this name of the word of that right now um but anyway, so it is one of those things where uh, aroma will affect it, and and you're gonna taste a slight hint of of that oxidation. It's just going to be there, and it's just you're you're playing Russian roulette with your beer. And there's so many YouTube videos out there to show you how to do it, even on the cheap, on the sly. You can you can do a lot of different things to 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 get that uh, pressurized transfer. But it's it's vital to the style. I completely agree. So yeah, you know another don't as I mentioned earlier, was was dry hopping for three to five days, you know, and as we mentioned, the 24 hour dry hop is, is is our sweet spot. And that's where we find the best results. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 100 percent. It's it's uh, like I said, if you can get that green matter in all parts of the process out of suspension, once it's done its job, th- that is the goal, in my opinion. And then lastly, my biggest don't with this style is don't be rigid experiment experiment try different experiment there are so many different experimental hops out there right now that are geared towards new england's and the reason why is because that's what that's what the public wants and that is what brewers are doing is brewing a ton of new england's whether they know how to do it properly or not so from uh, from the hops to the grist there's always new malts coming out there's a blonde roasted oat malt, and I can't remember who makes it, but they were giving it out at NHC a yeah. few years ago, and we still have some of it. That malt is almost designed for New England. Now, if you call up the maltster, which I did to get, try to get more information for our beersmith calculator, he kind of uh, referenced the idea that it's not great for a New England, but it's it's an oat malt. Uh, that that adds body head retention, etc. It's perfect for a New England. So, listen, continue to experiment. That's what home brewing is all about. It's about experimenting. It's about having fun with the hobby. It's about not getting too serious about it. And, and it's about listening to this podcast and laughing and enjoying yourself and having a great time. Right, Brandon? That's right. That's right. Listen to the podcast. Uh, like and subscribe to the YouTube channel. Uh, go on our Instagram, throw us some follows there. We've been gaining traction. Do all that stuff. If we, if we could tell you anything about this podcast, we just gave you so many hints. Now it's your time to give back to us. <laughs> that's, I mean, Brandon, listen, that's, uh, that's what it's about. Listen, this podcast, it, you help us out. We've, we've entertained the masses. Yeah. We've done our part. <laughs> now, how about you hop on your old fucking computer, give us a rating, five star yeah. like, whatever the case may be. 
How about you carry a little bit of the load? Yeah, if you go to like a Best Buy with a bunch of phones, how about you just start subbing to 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 it? You know, I don't, I don't, you know, just just hit that follow button on all the phones on their Apple uh, podcasting. Just you know, do your part. Do your part. We're out here. It's the least we could do. I mean, it's the least that you could do. We're we're insulting all different states. I mean, we're we're just we're just going nuts. So and people were not happy about the main takes with uh, Sarah Flora <laughs> last week. We did get we did get some some things being said about Maine. Apparently, you can say it about other places, but when you say it about Maine, it is tough. Up next is Brew Songs. Brew Songs is a bit myself, Brandon, and the recently deceased Adele, deceased from the podcast Adele. Yep, she's not dead. Not not technically dead. Brandon was talking to her today, but deceased from the podcast. We came up with this bit called Brew Songs, where myself, Brandon, and now a guest on the show for this episode, myself and Brandon, the people on this podcast episode that you're listening to each pick a song to represent their personal selves, their style, their mood, whatever they're feeling, whatever the case may be. We take these songs, we put them by we, I mean Brandon, put them in a playlist on Spotify called E12 Brew Songs, which you can follow on Spotify, E12 Brew, B as in boy, R as in Randy, EW Songs, again, spelled very traditionally, S-O-N-G-S, on Spotify. Follow that playlist. It's got an amazing array of songs from back when Adele was on the podcast to when you, you literally listening to this playlist get to hear Brandon's maturation as a musical savant from the first get, episode to the end. It's going to get really weird with guests like uh, uh, Flora, Sarah Flora picked two last week. Uh, I guess when you're the Martha Stewart of homebrewing, you can just decide you want two songs. And, and we did it very, you know, we're, we were just like, oh, yeah, yeah, no, go ahead. Uh, but yeah, no, it's just going to be this weird mishmash of of everybody's like, uh uh, songs, but it's going to be good. You're in for a ride, man. Just just follow that bad boy. You could make the argument that it's going to make the podcast playlist more diverse and more oh, interesting 100%. that yeah, people will listen, want to listen to more because, as everybody knows, Adele was all over the map with her choices. Everybody knows the one thing about Adele that you could guarantee is that she would hit you with a different genre of music every week. Yes. So this week... I'm up first, Brandon, and I am, listen, it's Friday, we're recording this podcast on Friday, it's mid-July, your boy is getting over a little bit of a stomach situation, you know, I was sick, nothing worse than being sick with a two-year-old, Brandon, you get that, Mm -hmm. Yes. sharp pains through my stomach, I'm getting chills, headache, my wife is sick, neither one of us can really take care of the baby adequately, and today is a different day, I feel great, Brandon. You know, I had breakfast, nice. I had lunch, I had dinner, you know, a little, a little bit of that buffalo chicken, you know, uh, cheese sticks, you know, and so I just went in. And so I'm drinking and I'm having a good time. It feels good to have my yeah. stomach back, Brandon. And so I went with something a little bit lighter, something a little bit more fun. I did with this song, fast forward to the 30 second mark, because there's a lot of talking yeah. in the beginning. But my song this week is Kyle featuring Lil Yachty. And it's I Spy off of the album Light of Mine, released in 2018. 15 songs on this album, 51 minutes, 3 seconds. Brandon, this song 
is four minutes and 12 seconds, 761 million downloads on this. Oh, yeah. Which is more than double any other song he has. Oh, yeah. This is this is a summer jam. Yeah, this this guy, I don't know what he's done after this or before this, but this is, this is, his, uh, this is his song, this is his jam, and, and this is a good one. I like this one a lot. That's it. Listen, it's you just you absolutely just nailed it. We have no clue where he's at now, but nah. this song is an absolute banger. And Brandon, what does this song remind you about within the homebrew process? Like if you if you're gonna put this song on, when are you gonna do it? Oh, okay. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm doing this, you know, uh, probably. This is a good whirlpool song. You know, okay. you got a little whirlpool action going. Uh, it could even go on when you're chilling. You're, you're chilling down with your wart chiller. You know, you've, you've earned this song. You can't just play this song at the beginning of your brew day. You got to earn this song. This isn't a pump up song. This is just a, a reward song. I, I can see that. I think that's a great. That's a that's a good argument. I mean, for me, this song is a, I'm driving home after a successful brew day song. Oh, sure. Or or I'm upstairs and, you know, you just left and, you know, I have a fresh steak and cheese sub my wife just brought home or I just ordered takeout. You know what I mean? We just had a great brew day where, I mean, even though, as you mentioned, every episode I say this, we hit our efficiencies and you say we never do, which is factually correct. But in the perfect world of this song, I'm listening to this as I'm eating my steak and cheese sub and we just hit our efficiencies. Beautiful thing. And you're driving home, and it's the middle of the summer. The windows are down. It's 70 degrees out, and you're just listening to the song, knowing we're, we just produced an amazing brew, and now it's in the middle. It's starting to ferment. And we can also do this because we have non-home brewers but craft beer enthusiasts that listen to this program. This could be when you're out, you know, out in your back deck in the summer. You got a nice, a nice craft beer something you really were excited to crack open and just that light breeze going you could use that yeah no that's very true um it's a great call brandon is up next by deduction brandon you're up next buddy i am and if there's anything we know about brandon is as i mentioned earlier when you think about the very first episode to now it's just this guy. You talk about a transformation. Is there anything better than a success story, Brandon? And in, in, in all of life, sports, politics, economics, nobody loves anything more than a success story. Yes. Agreed. That is the response, people, of somebody who knows he's about to be insulted. So, yes, 100%. And so Brandon's song this week, he went, he, do, he dove a little deep. Brandon's... He's a deep person by nature. You know, he comes off on the podcast as kind of a simpleton, as kind of like somebody who's just really one track minded. That's not the case. So rude. Nope, not my words. Not my words. There's just. They they are your words. Podcast reviews. Podcast reviews. And by podcast reviews. I have looked at all the podcast reviews. Nobody has said Brandon is a simpleton unless you wrote it. Well, when did you last look? Because about twenty minutes ago, there was a there, twenty minutes ago there was a review by Big Dong One Two Five, about Big Jew Dong One Two Five. That was Big Jew Dong. Okay, <laughs> all right. I don't know who that was, uh, but he I said, "You're a simpleton," and I said, "Uh, uh-uh. uh." 
Brandon has really come a long way. So Brandon's song this week, Coming a Long Way, is by Bismarcky. The name of the song is Just a Friend, off of the album Just a Friend, the EP, 2009, which is a big upset for me. 2009, uh, Brandon. There's so no this way this song was released in 2009. Correct. This was in the early 90s. <laughs> that must be a re-release. Um, this is 100% in the early 90s. Um, but no, uh, Biz just died today, actually. Uh, you know, they, they didn't say what he died from, but I know he had uh, type 2 diabetes. It was like that. But yeah, I felt it was apt to... It was apt pro. Yeah, I mean, you know, little little uh, guy just died, and, and we're, we're we're remembering him. And this is a jam. I like this song. It's uh, it's about a um, you know, a, a woman who, who may or may not be cheating. I actually, I think it's Biz that's cheating. Right? No, I can't remember. No, it's no, the no, woman. no. It's the He's woman trying to get cheating. with her. No, no, no. Nobody's cheating. He's trying to get with her, and she doesn't want to. She's with someone. Oh wait, no, no, hold on. No, she's cheating on. No. no, I'm thinking of a different song. Yeah, uh, we can actually she's go back. I'm thinking of a different song. She's cheating on Biz. Yes. yes. And she's just saying her friend is just a friend. Yeah, man. It's, you know, it it would have been my choice if if uh, Biz didn't die. So, R.I.P. Biz Marquee. Uh, so right. And quick, quick FYI, the song I was thinking of about the man chasing after a woman who's got a man is by positive k which is called i got a man which is actually i, I actually do like this song it's very talky they don't really talk but don't that's really what's so it. great about it it's rhyming yeah. and it's talky but it's like a legitimate conversation yes i mean this is a fantastic good, I song mean, yeah this song is better lyrically than the song i think but it's considerably died, better so it's a legitimate conversation it tells a story yeah. There are there are very so, few rap songs nowadays that tell a story. Positive K, I got a man, tells a story. A Biggest song. upset of this entire podcast, though, Brandon. Yes. Positive K, I got a man, six million downloads. That's it. This six was a million. Hit. That's oh, it. Uh, wow. That is a that is that is an upset. I would think they have way more. That's a great song. Just so you know, the other songs on this, the other songs on this album. <laughs> There isn't a single other song. This song, I Got a Man, 6 million downloads. Brandon, there isn't another song on this album that touches, touches 25,000 downloads. Not another song. It feels good. (laughs) It feels good. This is a one-hit wonder. When we're, when, like, we see, like, people are like, oh, shit, they're very famous and all this. And we're like, yeah, they didn't get, we're in the same ballpark. In our we, podcast downloads than, than some of these, so that that's pretty good. We could have him on the podcast. We could probably call Positive K, and he would sure. come on the podcast for free. I'm not saying that we should. I'm saying from a fame perspective. Next Maybe next week we'll have Positive K on the podcast. All I'm saying is from a fame perspective, like you said, from a numbers perspective. He has a song. He has a song that has 9,000 listens. Yeah, that's... That's wild. That is wild. That is wild. That's wild. That's crazy. Well, regardless, listen. I Got a Man was a great song. Mm. And it's time. And that was a song I was thinking of when we were talking about the theme of Bismarcky. And that's why I played it. Ultimately, Brandon, as 
as people, all we want is companionship. And for us, for people like you and I, it's companionship and homebrew. And that is at the crux of what this podcast is about. It's about love, lust, fashion, hate, envy. And then it's about, uh, it's about companionship and homebrew. Sure. I would say I got a man and he's my partner in home. (laughs) (laughs) I would just spit out my beer. So Brandon, I, you know, I'm sure as a dad, as a planner, as somebody who has their shit together, you've had situations where you said, you know, I'm going to leave work a little early, get some errands done, et cetera, et cetera. Give myself enough time to pick up the baby, whatever the case may be. That was me. That was me today. I said, mm. your boy wants to hit the smoker this weekend. I haven't used the smoker in probably a month or so. I want to let me let me throw on some baby back ribs. You know, let me get some nice smoked baby back ribs, maybe some chicken, etc. And I want to, you know, I'm not some simpleton, Brandon. I want to go to a nice place. I want I don't go to just any old supermarket. I want to get the nice meat. You understand? So where did I go, Brandon? Where uh, you went to Pravitz. My guy, <laughs> you got it. I went, so I said, I'm going to leave work a little early so I can pick up my son. Brandon knows I'm a big, I'm a Pravitz stan. Pravitz is a local butcher uh, here yes. in Massachusetts on the South Shore. And I said, you know what? I'm going to go there. I'm going to get there early. It's usually very packed, but I'm going to get there early, uh, four o'clock. Usually it's packed during lunchtime. You know, they do, they do subs and salads, et yes. cetera. They do big sandwiches. King size sandwiches. Brandon oh, yeah. does the king. I go with like the small or large. Fair enough. That tells you all you need to know about who we are. So I get there and I'm ready. You know, I want to get some ribs, right? I'm trying to, I'm, I'm, I'm in and out, baby. I'm, I'm moving. I'm moving and shaking. You understand? I'm not trying to hang out and have conversations. I'm in and out. So I'm standing in line. There's this one other woman and at the, at the counter, you know, at the butcher counter to, to, to get stuff. And I'm I'm going, she's only going to get a few things. Brandon, she must, if she wasn't there for 35 minutes, she wasn't there at all. <laughs> I'll tell you what, even, even though I'm early, right? Like I'm, I'm not in a rush, but it's still, you, you know, I'm in the mode, you know, I'm, I listen, I, I worked in Boston for about seven years, you know, it's hustle and bustle. I worked outside of the city for like 10, like just barely outside of the city. I'm, I'm Brandon. I'm not big on relaxing. I'm neurotic. I'm a maniac. I'm, I'm a, I'm a Jew. I'm Jewish. I'm just, I'm an absolute maniac, right? I'm not trying to hang out and wait. I'm not patient. And she just, I mean, listen, she, if she didn't get one thing, like every, listen, she went the filet and the, this and the, that, the chicken, the, the breast. Oh, let me get some, let me get some with the rib meat. Let me get Brandon. I'll tell you what she, she bought out Pravitz and I could not have been less impressed. I was, I was so fucking annoyed that she just couldn't just get your shit and go. Like, why do you need all this shit? And why are you here at four o'clock on a Friday? You couldn't have come on Tuesday near closing and gotten everything. I I got a question. 
did did this lady have a list? You know, because if you have a list, you can bang out two or three of these at the same time. Or is she looking, seeing what's good, feeling out the vibes and like, ooh, that looks good. Let me get some of this. Let me get some of that. Like you could if you have a list together, you're like, I want some some uh, fillets, some this, 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 like hook me up. I'm out the door. She's going one item at a time, Brandon. I don't know what's oh, going on. She's going one item at a time. She goes, let me get some chicken breast. So the guy wraps it up and gives it to her. And he goes, anything else? Let me let me get some steak shanks. He wraps them up. Anything else? Let me get some bacon. Anything else? Let me, dude, I'll tell you what. If it, she was just rattling shit off at one point, like we locked eyes. I looked at her. I put my arms up and I walked away. I didn't know what to do. <laughs> I didn't know what to do, Brandon. I was I was a mess. So I looked over. You know, in this airless little area, they have they have the ribs. They have ribs already prepackaged, right? I'm trying to get St. Louis ribs, baby. Those are the best ones for the smoker, right? Because okay. they fall off the bone yeah. a lot quicker. All right, they're not like regular pork ribs. They're a little bit. They're a different part of of the pick. So mm-hmm. I go. I could just grab these prepackaged ones, but let me see if he'll like. Let me see if he's. <laughs> You know, in, in my dumb mind, I'm like, let me see if he's got like a pig hanging up back there. They can just cut off some ribs for me. You want them fresh. You want them <laughs> as fresh as possible. <laughs> right. So, right. And so as 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 I explained, like, I don't use the smoker a lot. I cook meat. I eat meat. But like, I'm not I'm not privy to the butcher situation. All I know is Super Bowl Sunday, your boy did like a pork butt and they went they went in the back and gave me like a fresh pork butt. Like, I don't know what happened. But they went in the back. There was some sort of magical situation. And I got a I got a pork butt. So I just figured the same thing with the ribs. So I I waited another 10, 15 minutes, Brandon. I got nothing else to do, right? I'm here. I'm early. Whatever. So she finally, this idiot finally gets done. I walk up. I go, can I get can I get a fresh cut of the the St. Louis ribs? And the guy looks at me. He goes, I think they're over there. And he points behind me where I was just at. So I waited. I must have waited 20 minutes for this dude to yeah. just tell me, hey, go get your fucking shine box. All right. Fair enough. Yeah. So I get the ribs. Again, I'm early. I get the ribs. I pay. I leave. I have to go to another supermarket brand and get other stuff that this place doesn't have. Sure. I need I need I need like a I need like an aluminum. I need an aluminum like like bin situation so I can put the ribs in and I can brine them. Brandon, I'm doing it right. All right. I'm like a pit boss. Mm. I'm like a fucking pit boss. All right. So, yeah. I go to stop and shop. I I get what I need. It's quick, Brandon. I'm in and out, right? I'm in and out again. So I'm I'm moving and shaking again. I'm I'm running through the fucking supermarket. It's like supermarket sweet, baby. I knew where I needed to go. I knew everything I needed. I walk up, Brandon. What's happening? There's a woman paying with a check. What the hell is going on? I haven't seen somebody pay with a check for anything since like 1994. Like, what the hell is going on that you need? What situation are you in that you couldn't have visited the ATM across the fucking street that you needed the check situation? Like, I'm getting paid tomorrow. This That's what people used to do, Brandon, with a the check. Yeah. They'd go, I'm getting paid tomorrow. This shit doesn't clear for a few that. days. Don't, yeah, don't cash that. Just <laughs> let that slide for a few days. The worst is when they're trying to get money. Like, I, I don't know why grocery stores are doing this. There's no other place in the universe that's just like, Yo, can I, can I write you a check? Can I get a quick 20? Like, give me give me some money back. I'm like, no, this is like, this isn't a you pay me situation. This is like you pay for your shit and get out of my line. <laughs> like, I don't know why. I don't know when they said, yeah, like, I'll give you some money out this drawer. Like, just throw me a check. Like, this is. They, That's they the wildest thing, situations. though. 
Yeah, that's the wildest thing is like the when you pay with a check and they go, do you want cash back? It's almost like it doesn't exist. Like, it's not real. Like, do you want cash? Like, it's Monopoly money. Like, do you want cash back? Yes. I will take $200 cash back because this is a check. It's a piece of paper and it's not real. It's you're going to put it in that little machine. It's going to go and it's going to put down some numbers on ink or whatever. But like, it's not real to me. Because it's a check. Like, I'm like that. I'm like Leo, and as like catch me if you can. Like I'm fucking. I don't know what's going on. I'm probably forging shit over here. I don't know. <laughs> yes, two hundred dollars cash back, and I'm pretty sure it's not even going to come out of my account because this isn't real. Like that's just yeah. how I feel. Yeah. Like I don't so. know how to write a check. I've I've I have to like. There's two things that this is going to be tough on the podcast to admit, but we're sharing. We're in the trust tree, so I have to. Uh, figure out where I sign and what I write, like the title, like on the left and bottom of the check. I have to, I have to like Google how to write a check, and then I look at the image on Google and I'm like, am I doing this right? And then I also have to do that when I'm mailing a letter because I can't remember. I'm like, do you throw the stamp on the right or the left? I can't remember. Does my like return information go on the left? I think it goes on the left. But I'm not 100% sure. So I got to like Google what a letter looks like and then be like, ah, I got it. I got it now. That's a little wild because to me, the things like that, like simple things like that are things. It's like riding a bike. Once you do them is like you always know, like the stamp always goes on the right. And then like with the checks, you could just go like Kevin Malone on the people like in the office in the episode where Pam and Jim are getting married and he writes Pam a check and he goes in the comment section, I'm going to put to love's eternal bliss. Just do that for yeah. every check. For every check I you should. write to love's eternal bliss. And you're done. 